Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, BCC. I'm Brian Wren, your transition lead pastor. Welcome to our studio. We're down here capturing the message from Sunday, July 11th, just to make sure everyone has access to it. Hey, when we look back last week, I actually, on July 4th, called this to a new day at PCC. We actually called this day our Interdependence Day. And what I meant by that was this. As we move forward from July on, we have this year-long theme of together we are PCC. And we used an image that really speaks to what we're hoping everybody will jump in and be a part of. These, this were puzzle pieces. And we're hoping to put the puzzle together that God has for us over this next year, and we want you to be a part of it. As I call us to being interdependent, there's two things last week I call us to. First, to really participate, to jump in in our G4 path with gather, give, grow, and go, and truly, truly then anticipate what God has for us, specifically by praying for us to be interdependent, for us to be unified. And what I've come to realize, I'm asking all to jump all in. So would you consider signing this puzzle piece, going to the back of the worship center, putting it in one of the jars so that we know you are all in. Now, when I think about us putting together this inter interdependent puzzle, what I'm realizing there's a key element that's missing, and we got to make sure it's in there. And you know what that key element is? It's love. Because the reality is this. We cannot be the church well unless we love well. And here's what love will do for us as we journey together. We talked about a week ago how we need healing from the trauma we've been in over the course of this last year, and we need God's direction. And I believe as we put this puzzle together and we let love in, the love of God that helps us to love ourselves and others, then we will truly experience healing and direction. So with that, during July and August, we're beginning this new series, which begins today, as I'm speaking to you. And it's in the book of 1 John. And why we're in the first John, book of 1 John is this book reminds us of the unlimited love that God has for us. And oh, how we need this love. Because when we're touched by his unlimited love, we have this limitless love actually for ourselves and others, and that's what we need as we journey together. The way we'll be doing this through the book of 1 John is I'm going to be emphasizing two spiritual practices that I really want you to get a hold of. It might be new to you, but they're so good for our souls. The first is called Lectio Divina, and Lectio Divina is this simple, simple process of reflecting on Scripture. Looking at it once, looking at it twice, using just a small passage, and we'll even practice that today, and then responding to God out of what uh, we've seen and experienced in the text. And then our second practice is called the daily examine. And when you do a daily examine, you just put before yourselves once a day a question. And the question we're going to be endlessly asking throughout this series is, today, how did I receive the love of God and how did I release it to others? Hey, so let's begin by pondering this unlimited and great love that God has for us by looking in 1 John chapter 3. What you may not realize as we go through the whole book, 
you're going to see 12 aspects of God's great love for us. But right now I want to show you the core verse that John has written for us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it reads, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Let's try that again. We'll actually use the practice of Lectio Divina right now. By, I'm going to read it. In which words or phrases stick to you and God wants you to hold on to? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Was it the word see? Was it great love? Was it the Father? Or maybe it was the phrase children of God. Specifically for me, the word is lavish that stands out. I don't use that word much. I don't hear it even uh, stated much, but I know this, I love to lavish things. And when you look at the definition of lavish, it means bestowing something in generous and extravagant quantities onto actually something. For me, it makes me think of things like salsa, avocado, peanut butter, hot fudge. I love to lavish those things on to other things and then consume them. What do you lavish? And what I want you to realize is this, is that this is how God pours out his love to us in abundance, in extravagant quantities. And this is what the author John and God is wanting us to understand about him and his love. So let's back up. I want you to think right now what God's love is like. I sent this question out to a bunch of people and they sent me a bunch of email replies. But what is God's love like to you? Here's what some people said to me. God's love is like heaven on earth. God's love is like a weighted blanket that su supplies uh, assurance and support. God's love is like an ocean sunset. It's like hands that hold. It's like the air that I breathe. God's love is like a safe place where I am held. How about these? God's love is like a newborn baby. Or God's love is like my dog. I actually have a new dog and I can understand that now. There's so much there. What is God's love like to you? When I think about this, the first place I go, I go Grand Canyon. Because I think of the vastness and I've been there and I've stood on the edge and I think, I could never get to all of this. But then what I realize is, maybe that's a flawed analogy. Because the Grand Canyon does have an endpoint. And God's love doesn't. Then I was just in Hawaii, and it makes me think of a waterfall because my son was deep in one, and I could see the water just being lavished all over him, and I could barely see him. But then I began to think even a little bit more vividly, and I think of the concept of a well. Wells in the Bible signify life in relationship in the Old Testament and New Testament. There's even this scene uh, in John 4, another book that the author John, who wrote 1 John, he wrote about this scene of Jesus and this woman at the well. And there, Jesus talks about the deep love of God and how the waters are alive and how they satisfy. And there's just something about how wells provide life and relationship. But I'd love to, us to hold that analogy as we move forward. And it also makes me realize that like most wells and relationships, 
They dry up over time if they're not drawn from. And so I'm going to be calling us back to his great well of love so that it doesn't dry up in our lives and my life. This analogy of God's love being like a well, it then makes me think about um, my soul. And it makes me think about how my soul is actually the bucket that I can put deep into the well and pull out his love. And when I think about this bucket, I think about some of the challenges I have in getting this bucket into God's well and getting this bucket to fill up. And it makes me realize that there's some holes in my soul. And what I mean by that is when I have things like disbelief and brokenness and pridefulness and sin that we'll talk about next week, and I misunderstand God's ways, and I'm isolated out of community, and maybe I'm forgetful. When I put this bucket deep, deep into the well of God's love and I pull it out, it runs out, and my soul's not full. And I don't experience the unlimited love of God. I only get a limited portion of it. But on the opposite, when I keep going back to the well, and I keep dipping this in, it seems to happen over time. These holes begin to seal up. This bucket begins to be more full and more full. And my view of myself and my ability to love on others is changed. This whole analogy of the well and bringing your bucket to God's great and deep love reminds me of my friend Steve. My friend Steve showed up in the 90s um, with his wife and became part of our community. And back in the 90s, he had a limited view of God's love, and he, frankly, had some holes in his soul. And the reality was, though, the more I watched him come to the well of God's love, the more I saw him love well. He began to love himself in a different way. He began to love others in a different way. And in a mysterious way, those holes those holes in his bucket, some of those holes actually began to heal up. And what that enabled, that enabled him to receive more of God's love and then release more of God's love. By the 2000s, uh, Steve had worked through some of this deep stuff that he was now recycling his suffering and, and it was being used for good in the lives of others. He filled his bucket up so much that he actually was changed by the love of God and shifted his career. He went from being a rebuilder of buildings as an architect to a rebuilder of souls as a marriage family therapist. It was remarkable to watch. Now, what I'm not saying is that everyone who experiences the love of God um, should change their career. But what I am saying is this. The more we go to the well, God's unlimited love should change how we respond to life. Did you hear that? The more we go to the well, God's unlimited love should change the way we respond to life, like my friend uh, Steve experienced. So let's look deeper into this great love of God, and let's take a look in the first chapter of John at the three springs that are there to fill our bucket 
And these are three aspects of God's love. I'd like to refer to these as springs as we move forward. Just three of the 12 that we're going to look at today. And so let's start with uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. What John is saying in this passage is this. You've got to see and experience the word of life. Now, that concept of word of life is an odd term. It's not something we use very directly in today's communication. Simply put, he's referring to Jesus there. He's experienced Jesus which is the manifestation of God's love. And he's about to tell us what Jesus provides through us, or provides to us through God's love. He uses this word, word of life. And when you use the word word in the Bible, it's referring to the Greek word logos. And that means the one who is of divine reason and creative order. This is the one who's above all things. And so he's saying to those he's writing to, which is a bunch of house churches, he's saying to them, I have seen the word of life. I've just not seen it. I've touched it. I've heard it. And now I'm proclaiming it to you because I want you to know of God's great love. This term word of life is similar to terms in the Old Testament, like Yahweh, or also when terms like I am are used. Those are confusing terms because they're macro terms that mean so much and we don't really have English language for them. But when you sum up word of life, Yahweh, and when Jesus says he is the I am and God says that he is the I am, we're talking about them conveying that they're the creator of life existence in all reason. And John is wanting us to experience that. Just at the last part of this verse, we do see the first aspect of God's love, when he says, I have eternal life for you. That's one of the key aspects that God provides of his love. Let's continue on and see what it says in the next verses. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. When we get to the bottom of verse 4, we're getting to see what his great love also provides. I told you already, it provides life, eternal life, life with him forever. And he uses that same word life in other contexts where he's referring to abundant life. So God has this abundant life for us, which represents his love, and he has this eternal life, but then he also has this fellowship or this belonging that reflects on the statement that God is with us. And even more specifically, he's saying here, we can have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit that will guide us. We're never alone. And can you believe we can have that fellowship with the creator of all life, existence, and reason? The final spring that he shows, besides life, besides fellowship, is this spring of joy. Do you see it right at the very end of the text? We write this to make our joy complete. Their joy, our joy for all of us. We know this, joy is different from happiness. And we know this, 
that God's love provides a perspective that goes well beyond happiness. In the midst of our challenges, we can actually still experience joy and contentment, even when we don't experience uh, what we want. So as we move forward today, I want you to realize this is what my friend Steve began to experience. I believe he experienced all 12 aspects of God's love that we'll get to in the weeks to come. But these first three, oh, these first three of realizing there's a different life to be lived here and in eternity, that there's this belonging and that there's this joy, these are the things that began to fill the holes in Steve's life so that as he went to the well more and more, he could receive more of his love and he could respond to others in a whole different way. So I ask you today, which of the three do you need? Which aspects, these springs that are welling up that we have access to via our souls through the resurrection and death of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, which of these do you need today? Is it this perspective, there's this whole different life that God has for me here on earth and in the heavens? Is it this perspective that, gosh, I need to sit more in the spring of God's fellowship and I belong. I am loved and I belong and that can wash over me. He's with me. Or is it this spring of perspective that God's love can bring me joy regardless of what I'm facing? I want you to ponder right now, pick one of those. Which one of those? Life, belonging, or joy? As we finish up our time today, I want to give you some ways that you can put in the practice of receiving God's love. Oh, because I, I want us to do this more than anything. We'll be changed as a church if we do this. The first way that you can receive God's love is really to help you focus as you breathe. There's this technique called breath prayer where you can breathe in and say, God, help me to receive your love. And then you can breathe out, God, help me to release your love. I would encourage you to practice this throughout the day. When you walk in the worship center, breathe in, ask to receive God's love. When you walk out, breathe out and ask to release his love. Another way is by reflecting, using Lectio Divina, using the daily exam. So this week, two or three times, get into the same passage that we just discussed, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Read it through two or three times. Soak in it. Let rise up the phrase or words that God has for you. And then respond. Pray to God about it. And then rest in his lavishing love that he just wants to pour on you. And then, or use this daily exam. The simple question of today, how did I receive the love of God? And how did I release it? And you can begin to ask others uh, that you partner with here. And then we have some things you could watch. I want to encourage you to watch a mini-series called The Chosen. Everyone has access to it on YouTube. It is Jesus' journey of calling those to a new life, to that belonging, and to the joy. I want you to watch so you see the love of God play out as Matthew's called, as Mary's called. And I'm looking forward to finding out what your favorite scene is. And then we have some kids' resources. We have some great books for kids. You can see them on the screen. And we have some great resources actually on our Right Now Media platform for kids. As we close today, I want to leave you with a phrase that was given to me by my friend Steve. See, my friend Steve actually died suddenly and tragically uh, back on May 5th. 
His wife called me on that night just a few months ago. It was 9 o'clock our time, 11 o'clock Austin time. And she said, Brian, Steve had a heart attack tonight and died. I didn't know what to say. And at first I didn't believe her. But as it turns out, uh, he'd gotten a new spin cycle that day. The good news is he put it together and he loved the spin. But that night, after he got off it, he wasn't feeling well. He told his wife he was going to go in the bedroom because he had some pains. And then he called out and said, Janae, we got to go to the hospital now. Uh, but he collapsed and he never left his bedroom. And he died there um, in the presence of his wife and his 14-year-old daughter. Uh, it was tragic. And there's a huge void as a result. Consequently, uh, two weeks later, I went to Austin and did his memorial. And I was on the plane flight on the way down, writing the message for his memorial, reflecting on our friendship. And I was scrolling through our text. And I came to the second to last text he sent me was back in April. And this made me realize that my buddy and friend knew the love of God. On that text stream on that day, we had talked on the phone early in the morning, and I had commiserated with him. Um, I was frustrated with some things and maybe hadn't done enough, uh, actually in my pastoral role. And he wrote me a text that day that really encouraged me and pointed out some things. But then he gave me these last seven words that I've held on to because I need them to be reminded of God's love. And this is what Steve did with God's love. Those last seven words said this on that text. So rest easy in his gracious love. So rest easy in his gracious love. I've held on to those words and said them at night to myself uh, and said them during the day to myself and they've kept my spirit light at times because God's love is gracious. But we also know uh, today, and we'll begin to learn through July and August, that it's great. And so I want to switch that line just a little and have us hold that as we go today. And the line would go like this. So, PCC, rest easy in his great love. Hey, let us pray to conclude today. Father in heaven, we acknowledge the great love that you have for us. And we acknowledge, Lord, uh, that the death and resurrection of Jesus has made this possible. It truly represents uh, the greatest of love and sacrifice made. And Lord, we acknowledge uh, that your spirit enables us to understand uh, these 12 springs, these aspects of your love. And so Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes and help us see like John is yearning for us to see. And then God, may the lavishness of your love wash over us and begin to change how we respond to love. And in the end, God, we will give you the glory and the praise. And so we thank you, and we claim this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us online today, and I want to encourage you to continue to take your bucket to a well of God's love more and more. Go in peace, folks. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. 
We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.